welcome to the 56th episode of the Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, are you ready to team up and fight everybody else in flesh and blood in Baltimore this weekend? Yeah, even Misty's Misty, here. Misty's going to be our third. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's going to be you, me, and Misty. It's going to be the Murr cast. The Murr. <laughs> MMR. <laughs> yeah. Misty, Michael, and Roger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I am ready. Well, as ready as I can be with how much Team Sealed practice we've done. Uh, so we're going to the Team Sealed event in Baltimore with our editor and friend Travis is our third. I'm I'm real excited. Yeah. I'm glad you're excited because we've had a long-standing history of doing well at team tournaments and uh we're going to do really well at this one and I just like the fact that I don't ever ever have to win, you know, and I I still get to win, you know. I don't have to win, but I still get to like win. Hmm. It's one of my favorite things about team tournaments, you know. Hmm. Uh, so we've never done well at a team tournament, have we? We got ninth. That's pretty good. Uh huh. Not ninth place is pretty good. We we sure did get ninth. We sure would have done a lot better if you won more than two rounds that weekend. Yeah, but I had Jace the Mind Sculptor and Bonfire the Damned in my deck. So I mean, like, yeah, it was a moral victory. Okay. We won first place so. in terms of cool decks, you know? I'm sure there was a Jace in the top eight somewhere. Somewhere. Just not in our top eight. Not in our decks. Or not, our decks were not in the top eight. Almost. So the, the format for this event is Team Outsiders Limited. Um, the Swiss will be Team Sealed. And then if we make top four, we're going to do a team draft. Okay, so Team Sealed, you group into a group of three and you open a set number of booster packs to build three decks with, one for each team member. Uh, For this weekend, it's going to be eight packs to build your pool with, which I've played a couple Team Sealed events before. The Realm Games host them as side events a lot on their Battle Hardened 5K tournaments 10ks 5ks i don't remember how much money they gave away i haven't done a lot of the wrong game tournaments so <laughs> but um they they've done like 12 booster pack team sealed which leads to some really really powerful decks we did a test run with eight booster pack team sealed and the decks looked quite weak especially the ninja decks but yeah the truth is somewhere in the middle uh because that's a real argument to be had in terms of like, you don't want the decks to be too good, too consistent. You don't want everybody just playing like blitz uh, pre-cons basically in the format. And you want there to be some kind of like interesting deck building decisions, but it's also not an interesting deck building decision where you're just like, these are the cards I have. This is just where they go because I only can't play 14 cards. So I just have to basically play everything I open. Yeah. I guess they could technically give us seven packs and that would be, <laughs> we would barely have enough cards that we could put in decks. But because we'd lose 13, 13 uh, playable cards and an equipment. But yeah, I think yeah. I, I definitely prefer when limited formats are a little more powerful when you get to, um, 
when you're making a lot more cuts and you have like a lot of power cards pulling you in like a couple different directions i think that's kind of kind of cool and you can like play whatever ratios you want instead of where we're gonna end up basically which is you just put every card in you cut your 14 worst cards from your pool and you got three decks yeah and let's venture back all the way back it's a long time ago, long ages ago at this point, when Outsiders first came out and it was pre-release weekend and everybody was doing sealed of Outsiders and excitedly building their decks and pools. And the weekend was over and everybody had the universal consensus that, man, Assassin is broken in sealed. You just have so many three blocks. It's like crazy. Like all the other classes don't get as many three blocks as you do. Ninjas or yeah, or especially Rangers are vulnerable to being fatigued at that point because their power level is just a little bit below. So blocking is just incredibly powerful. And ninjas just had an incredibly hard time uh, where since they need very specific lines usually to have like maximum power or like Benji needs is just a critical mass of like two power cards. And it's hard to open all of those consistently in a sealed pool. Uh, amplify that times like 1.5. And I feel like that's what team sealed basically is going to boil down to where I don't know that the assassin deck should ever lose against the other two decks. Uh, like, so assassin mirrors are going to be pretty skill intensive and hard to navigate important for the matchup but i just assume the assassin next is going to be the best deck out of everybody's team sealed pools and i don't know what it would take for like what you could possibly open to make that be not the case i guess yeah i, I think the biggest issue maybe is maybe that... some like amazing pumps for ranger yeah i i think i think azalea decks can be like pretty good in this format both of our azalea decks were like fairly solid and i think we've both when we played our team sealed we both barely lost to the other person's assassin i think both games were pretty close um and unfortunately the azalea decks it doesn't seem like you can get anywhere near enough cards to just be able to blind azalea every turn which does make azalea a lot worse like something that's really important when you're drafting azalea was hitting that critical mass of arrows where your deck could just be all arrows and pumps and each turn you're allowed to just blind azalea and you're never going to like hit something that completely bricks your turn, like a defense reaction or a peace of mind or something. And, or even a non arrow attack. Um, but I don't think, I don't think that's really going to be doable in the sealed format. So it'll be interesting to like kind of decide if you should be playing azalea or just playing riptide. And if you're playing riptide, how do you not get fatigued by the assassins? That'll be a tough a tough challenge also what the issue is with ninjas is not only do they need the specific combo lines most of their cards naturally block two that's why kind of like the three block ninja cards and specifically the zero cost three block ninja cards were just such a huge premium to making that class like function in limited and you're just not going to open a lot of those across eight booster packs and so you're just not going to have good block values on your cards you're not going to have good combo lines and you're not going to have a lot of good zero cost cards in order to actually just like swing kadachis so it just seems like ninja or one of the three decks is going to be quite poor in this format and i think one of the arguments that was posed to us for why it's eight booster packs is they don't want fatigue to be too good and i think that's kind of not 
like the right perspective because when decks are higher power level, they're less likely to be fatigued. But when the power level is lower and flatter, and then weapons are just what you're are going to be most powerfully doing on most turn cycles, or they're more impactful, that's going to lead to more matches going to fatigue, right? Yeah, definitely. So I think this goes back to like even way back in the day where we had chain and classic constructed where for a long time, the kind of the strategy to beat fatigue was play 70 something cards, play as many cards as possible. So, so the idea was kind of like the more cards you play, the less likely you are to get fatigued because you have more cards, but actually what it boils down to is like how much damage your average turn pushes over their ability to block and diluting your deck with worse cards makes it, so you push less damage off on your average turn because you're just your average hand is worth less damage. So having extra bad cards in your deck doesn't really lead to you beating fatigue. Just having a stronger, more powerful leaner deck usually is more effective in combating fatigue. So um I guess the problem that I see with eight pack sealed is a lot of these decks are going to draw their four card hand and be like, I can do seven damage. I can do five damage. I can do six damage. I can't. So I think that's going to lead to a game state where fatigue is happening more often because if the most you can threaten on your four card hand is six or seven damage, then you're much more fatigable than if your hands are threatening 10 or 11 damage with each cycle or even more. Um, I think that a big part of the argument was the fatigue decks are fatiguing by playing extra cards by like playing like 35 or 40 cards. And if you only have 14 cards, you can cut. It's, it's really hard to make a large deck, like a 40 card deck in one of your pools, because you're just not going to have 40 cards that are like reasonable to put in your deck most of the time available to you. But even if you have 12 packs, and have all these extra cards. If you throw these extra cards into your deck, a lot of them are still going to be two blocks. Every card you're adding to your deck is diluting your your block value of your deck lower from three down to two, or closer to your average being. Your your average is closer to two as you throw in more two blocks. And I don't think with twelve packs you would still. I still don't think you would get to thirty, more than thirty three blocks that you could play in your deck, or more than thirty defensive cards you could play in your deck. So, yeah, I still don't think twelve is right. You know. Overall, I think 10, 10 probably feels closer to right uh, to me. Just And it's also format contextual, right? Because I think on LSS's official team sealed rules or whatever, they just make a broad recommendation for eight. Um, and it's not actually 100% set that it has to be eight packs. Because for something like Welcome to Wraith, for example, like if we were doing Welcome to Wraith team sealed, I think eight packs would be fine. I don't think there would be a big issue on making three playable decks between the I, I classes, actually, just because there's so many good cards. Or I think eight packs and Welcome to Wraith would be horrible because, so with Team Sealed, with eight packs, you get, well, I guess if it's Welcome to Wraith, you get eight additional cards that you can cut because there's 15 cards per pack. Yeah. So you're going to have 22 cards that you yeah. can cut with eight packs of Team Sealed, but like 15 of those are going to be the class that you don't play because there's four classes. Each pack has about two cards of each class. So roughly 16 of those 22 cards are going to be the warrior cards when you're playing Ninja, Brute, and uh, Guardian. So you'll have like six real cuts you get to make. So I think eight packs isn't enough for Welcome to Wraith either. Wow, that's fair. I guess that's a good point. 
But that's that's mostly brought on by the fact that well, that was going to be my shining example. <laughs> that was going to be my shining example of eight packs work. Maybe Tales of Aria eight packs works. Yeah, I think I think it it does work in these formats. These three hero formats, you can definitely play eight pack sealed, or these three class formats. Um, I think I feel like a lot of the reason that they really don't want to do too many packs is because I think it's just kind of fundamentally how Riptide is designed. It's a defensive hero with no form of evasion and no weapon. So Riptide doesn't really have a way to close out games. And almost all the games that Riptide wins, it's because your opponent runs out of cards to block with because they're never just going to be like, oh, I guess I won't block this. I have three cards in hand, but I don't want to block. So I'll die. (laughs) They just like are always going to block when they get low. And Riptide's lack of evasion gives him no real way to close out a game when the game gets to that point. So I think like the the hero is just kind of designed to have these awkward limited formats where like there's no attack reactions, there's no dominate, there's no oh gosh, I think there's other forms of evasion in the format, but I can't think of or in the game, but I can't think of any. Intimidate, I guess, is one. Yeah, or like unblockable effects like Benji. Mm-hmm. or even something like kadachi's where like it's not unblockable but like are you really giving a card to prevent one it's, damage you don't want it yeah. oh arcane damage yeah, is yeah, another yeah. form of like somewhat unblockable or harder to block damage but yeah riptide doesn't have any of that mm-hmm. and doesn't have a weapon so he's a hero that like can basically only win by fatiguing or your opponent triggering a trap when they're at one but like <laughs> um yeah yeah it just leads to really a really fatigue format so or Riptide games in general yeah, being absolutely. very fatiguing. And so do you think what what would be the ideal way to handle like team sealed in a format then? Like do you think it just needs to be designed more so for that? Or like this is kind of what we've been talking about for a while as far as like what kind of the design issue challenges are for limited in flesh and blood. Do you just think that it's just something intrinsic to the game because of the way the card pools are just going to be so like harshly divided and stratified that it's just going to always create a system where it's going to be harder to have more diverse pools and more interesting deck to building decisions and draft sealed team sealed whatever. So I, I don't think so. So I know like we haven't recently had very good sealed formats, both uprising and outsiders. They're like, there's been, one class that's been like considered the best by a reasonable amount. Even if you go back to Tales of Aria, like you should have been playing Briar 70 something percent of the time, maybe more than that. Um, this format, you should be playing Usury probably like 60 plus percent of the time. And, and Uprising, you should have been playing five most of the time. But I think that's that wasn't the case in Vulcan Wraith, where you could play Sealed and basically all four heroes were like pretty reasonable to play in Sealed. Um, Reinar was probably the worst, but even then you could still have good, reasonable sealed Reinar decks. Um, and you had club, like club was good and limited. Yeah, for sure. And I think I, I kind of feel like Wilkin Wraith was designed with both draft and sealed in mind. And I haven't really gotten that sense with some of the more recent sets. I think they do a good job at making like very interesting and deep draft formats, but the sealed the sealed formats seem like they were kind of like like I don't want to give LSS too much crap because it's like hard to design a draft format and a sealed format and have a 
have a good game and have cool heroes for class constructed, which is a big goal that they have as well. I think their focus is mostly on class constructed and then on draft and then sealed's kind of like it's just like there and hopefully it's okay. But I do wish they spent more time like focusing on making like good engaging sealed formats because I think like we started playing the game because the sealed that we were playing was really good. Like Vulcan Race Sealed was great and there was a sealed calling upcoming in Cincinnati. And that's like a mm. basically why we started playing the game. So or a big part of it at least. And Tales of Aria Sealed was really good too. I think I think we had a lot of fun in Tales of Aria Sealed. Yeah, I do think the fact that you were Lexi like five percent of the time was not ideal. I think the game was like that that format was just very good. In general, the games were just very fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I was just thinking more so about for... <laughs> I wasn't thinking about the heroes when I was saying like, oh yeah, it's fun and they were interesting deck building decisions. I was thinking about the talents between Earth, Lightning, and Ice. And I felt like the talents kind of drove a lot of deck building decisions mm-hmm. more so than the hero builds. Um, and just trying to find like the maximum... And even in building your Briar decks, like there was a lot of like skill expression and actually finding like that 20 damage turn in your sealed pool where, you know, cause it's not obvious on its face a lot of the time. And I remember there were some certain games where it's like, Oh, well actually if I activate the earth hat that like, lets you get an earth card back from your deck or something or your graveyard back to your hand. Like if I activated that for this weave earth and then I played the weave earth and I got invited, like you just got to like, there was so much like depth to the lines and the talents that the heroes mattered less in my mind. And I don't think we've seen talents that deep uh since then either yeah I, I especially think, not in outsiders where there's no talents <laughs> i think briar in general and limited was like she was like an extremely skill testing hero and like the skill cap of like what you could do with different like limited decks with briar was like very high and i remember like when we were playing we'd like lay out our hands and be like is this the right sequencing with this hand after we thought about it for like a minute and we're like hmm, i should probably just like show you so i could <laughs> we can just talk through it and it yeah absolutely I think that's one thing that like people weren't super happy when there was like the third rune blade in a row and rune blades have been winning, but like Briar was a very fun hero to play unlimited. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then what if this was like Monarch team sealed? Do you think eight packs would work for a Monarch team sealed? So I don't think so for the same reason that I don't think it works very well on Vulcan Wraith where like you have the fourth hero that kills so many of your pool, so much of your pool. But I know we did a test yeah. team sealed of Monarch. And then the and- talents as well. Yeah, I, I know we did a test team sealed of Monarch where we did 12 packs. And I do think that didn't seem like too many. Both the, both of our chain decks were quite good. And our, our bullet decks were both very good too. Because like you just, the aggro decks were really, really good. When you have 12 packs, you just get so many cards to make very good decks. And our Prism decks and Levia decks that are like more mid-rangey and more just like kind of able to function, just like couldn't really compete as much with the like super fast, super aggressive aggro decks. So, yeah, I think your chain deck killed me by like shackle four pretty consistently and limited. And I was just like, ah, oh, yes, I'm dead. Yeah, I, I remember one turn. It was like, I think I banished three cards and hit two blood deck cards and presented like 20 damage with stubby hammers that turn. <laughs> I was just like, okay, cool. So yeah, 12 packs is probably too many for, for Monarch for sure. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're starting to talk in circle a little bit here. And let's just talk about more of the team sealed dynamic itself like what do you think are like the cooler aspects of like actually being in a team tournament um and why do you think it should be supported more overall so 
one thing about card games is there's no natural way to have players team up and work together. Like there's testing teams. Yes. But like actually being on a team in a tournament, there's no good way to do that. I know magic for a while experimented with like, you'd have a team of six players. And if your team got enough total points in the tournament by doing X things, you would invite multiple people back to the next tournament or something for a little while. But that just like, it's very clunky. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not intuitive. And yeah, there's team constructed where you have, three players each bring a constructed deck and then you play against another team that each brings a constructed deck. Uh, example of this was the world premiere of uprising where uh, it was team blitz. Everyone brought a blitz hero. I think you couldn't play the same hero in multiple slots. So everyone had to be a different hero, but it was for the most part, it might as well have been an individual blitz tournament. There's not really a lot gained from being on a team other than you get to play with your team and your friends, which is cool. But I think Team Sealed is like, it's in a really good spot because it gives you a reason to have a team. Like, splitting a team, a sealed, splitting a sealed pool into three different decks is a really interesting and engaging deck building decision where you have to decide what deck gets these generics. For example, in Outsiders, we're going to be like looking at what deck gets the cut down to size, what deck gets the spring load, what deck gets the red piece of mines and the brush house and stuff. So, no feisty it, locals. We're not getting any feisty locals in our. Sure, pool. who gets who gets the feisty locals? I don't think I opened any of those in my team sealed, so I forgot about it. I'm a feisty guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's something that like is a very good and engaging deck building decision, and you can't really have that without having a team sealed tournament. Whereas you're just like in regular sealed, you just put the good cards in your deck, and rather than deciding what deck will benefit the most from having them. Um, you also get a lot of benefits when you're doing a team tournament in general. So I think like having a good reason to do a team tournament is great. Some of the benefits are you are engaged with your friends. You get to like how your friends do matters to you more than just like, I want my friends to do well because they're great. Um, Like it's actually tied into you. And like whether you have a good tournament or a bad tournament, you have people that are like sharing in those results with you. So if you guys go O2 and, are sad and lose then like you've got two friends that also went out to that you can console each other and just like hang out with and because a lot of the time if you do bad in a tournament and your friends are all doing well then you're like i'm just gonna i don't want to get people down so i'm not going to talk about it too much but i'm here to support you guys but yeah when has that ever happened to you in flesh and blood it's happened in magic you don't know what that's like you don't know what it's like in flesh and blood, though. You don't know my pain. Okay. And I think there's another added benefit to team uh, events, especially in Blitz and Limited, where they're kind of the highest, they're more high variance than class constructed. Like, I don't think team class constructed would be a very good format uh, to be supported just because one, games can already go quite long in class constructed. And so, like, 55 minutes. Um, isn't actually a lot of time when not only do you have to factor in like your decisions, but like if one of the things that you could do in team seal is like, be like, Hey, Michael, look at my hand. What should I do? And you could be like, well, I think you should pitch this block with this, play this and arsenal this. And I'd be like, Oh, okay, cool. And, uh, when you factor in those like 10, like those extra, like 10, 15, 20 seconds on a turn cycle over and over and over and over again, a lot of matches are going to go to time. There are going to be a lot of draws in Team Sealed at that point. Um, 
And so I just don't think it would work for class constructed, but for blitz and um, limited specifically, since uh, 35 minute rounds and the games usually finish pretty cleanly, like there's not a lot of going to time usually in those formats. And since, like I said, they're higher variants, spreading out that variance across three matches uh, still allows for like the skill expression to be, you know, displayed, hopefully, you know, across those three um, matches, because it's less likely that, you know, you're just going to get like a Reinar high rolled on turn one, um, both yourself, because you can't, you can only face them once across the three blitz decks. And, you know, if that happens to one of your teammates, you know, you still have your match and your last teammates match to, you know, kind of make up for that. And then the same kind of goes, helps true for limited where just because like, if your deck draw doesn't just line up or like maybe your azalea flips just don't go your way or you kind of draw like a clunky all red hand in the middle of the game or you lose the die roll or something like that <laughs> uh you know it kind of allows that like variance and limited to be spread out across those three matches and that's kind of what i'm most excited for and uh the team seal tournament coming up is like i know that since we have you know I know that I had a team meeting with two really good players, at least. <laughs> so I know that our decisions, hopefully on average, are going to be better than our other three uh, opponents' decisions on average multiplied across three games. So that should just like allow for a pretty high degree of skill expression. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And one thing that doesn't get talked a lot about Flesh and Blood is the fact that it's best of fun, even in these faster games like Draft and Blitz. And Team Sealed is a way to have a best of three or any team format, it's a way to essentially have a best of three, but not take any additional time. So, yeah. Definitely yeah, because we've even talked about how in like, even like on one-on-one -on -one traditional limited formats, maybe 55 minutes best of three might be a better way to handle that just because um, like the games of limited can kind of feel kind of snowball-y, kind of swingy. Play draw matters quite a bit in some matchups as well. So mm. it just can be pretty awkward in limited sometimes and like i said team seal just kind of allows for that to not really be an issue anymore yeah and there's definitely been a lot of games of limited decided by someone by both the die roll or drawing an all red or all blue hand at the wrong time that's a that's just a great point that it reduces variance and gives you the two out of three format in the same amount of time. I do think that 55 minutes for a best of three and limited probably wouldn't be enough time for a lot of games. Really? Yeah. Like, can you imagine a riptide finishing a best of three? I think it's yeah, O2 maybe. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I don't know. The, the, I guess the overall point though, is that in both traditional limited team limited, you know, there's a lot of, um, ways to handle those formats there's a lot of iterations that can be done and it's we're, we're hoping that lss um you know isn't resting on their limited laurels and continuing to look for ways to like make those formats better and uh really engage the player base um in those ways we know that limited's not traditionally uh the most excited thing and i just realized that on this recording we talked about that we're teaming but we didn't announce <laughs> the coverage thing we and did i was it. gonna say oh but then the coverage thing also is gonna help people keep more engaged as well for watching roger what Oops. is the coverage thing? 
Do you want to? Do you want to start all over again? Do you want? No, nope, no, nope, I gotta go in forty start. minutes. So uh, I'm like thirty-five okay. minutes. So maybe I'll put a little, or maybe Travis or somebody will put a little intro at the beginning, and people will kind of know what's going on, anyways. Where, um, basically, all weekend long, the Manor cast. Michael Roger and the capital T Travis at the end. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be all the feature matches. One of the three of us is going to be a feature match every round. We're going to we're going to build our deck on camera. You're going to watch us do things. You're going to watch me punt games horribly while Michael and then they'll be like, well, they still win the round. I'll be like, thanks, Michael. And then you're going to watch Michael play Masterful Games of Limited and you're going to see Travis on full display and his mastery of flesh and blood as well. And yeah, it's going to be a wild ride. And that should hopefully help with kind of like the coverage aspects from limited tournaments, because most of the time it's hard to like have those engaging storylines for people just watching limited tournaments. Yeah. One thing that limited runs into a lot is when you jump into a random game, you're just seeing random cards. You don't really know what's going on. They're just like, these are cards in their deck and you watch the game and you're like, okay, I didn't, you don't, I don't think you learn as much as you do from like potentially watching one person through the, their whole event. And I think like there was a famous Magic Grand Prix where they followed uh, a pro Magic player called Reed Duke throughout uh, his whole tournament, and a Grand Prix is basically Magic equivalent of a calling. And they they followed him throughout his whole tournament. He ended up narrowly missing top eight, but it was a it was a great um, a great coverage experience, a great viewer experience. I I watched that whole tournament excited. It was it was just really cool, and. I think yeah. um, what Ethan Van Sant is trying to recreate is something similar to that, and I'm really excited for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, so let's say we do make the top eight. What format will we play? That's not team sealed anymore then, baby. It's a whole new ball game there, right? Yeah, so it's it's cutting to top four because it's a team tournament, so the top four is actually 12 players. But And uh, each each match, once you're in the top four, you're doing a whole team draft against another team. So you'll you'll start with a semifinals team draft. And if you win that draft, then you'll do a finals team draft against the team that won the other side of the bracket. And what the hell is a team draft? (laughs) So team draft, uh, you have your same two teams of three, like you do in the team sealed part. And then you sit like a player on one team, then a player on the other team, then a player on one team and then a player on the other team, alternating between team A and team B players in a circle of six. And then you basically just do a what normal a draft. Square of six. Can you do a? Can you do like a rectangle of six, or does it have to be a circle? Whatever shape it doesn't it doesn't matter. A draft drafting. It's, I guess it's usually done on rectangular tables, but like essentially a circle, you know. But you're passing the packs in circles, in a rectangle, whatever shape it doesn't you, matter. You pass, you pass the left. Like you pass left and then you right and then left. You do a, a normal a, draft. A you do a normal Is draft. The, you want to do a circle like this, or do you want to do a circle like this? What are you passing the pack? For those on audio only, I'm doing a horizontal circle motion with my hand and then a vertical circle motion like I'm watching a window. And Michael's looking exasperated and unhappy that I'm trolling him about how you pass packs in a circular motion. No, it's just, my, it's just my wall got very interesting at that moment. <laughs> there was, uh, uh, it looked like a wall. So <laughs> you do... You do it basically a normal draft after you've done after you've separated by team A, team B, team A, team B, and you are going to draft. You can't communicate with your team at all at this point. You just draft. You end up with your deck. You can't trade cards with your team. You can't do anything. You just draft, and then you're going to play a game against the person across from you. 
and each of your teammates is going to play a game from the person across from them and it's just going to be another basically you, you the three of you are playing one game against the three of your opponents and whatever team wins that moves moves on basically whatever team wins that kind of two out of three how do how do you think this is going to function in like uh flesh and blood because in magic there was a lot of like give and take between the colors and things like that and like there was ways to like start like take start cutting a color or just start like making lots of decisions on that kind of thing but when the limited format itself is more kind of like on rails than like are how many interesting like team draft decisions do you have other than like okay let's make sure that we're not both like beforehand just saying like michael don't draft assassin travis don't draft ranger i'm gonna draft ninja and make kind of like making sure that we're not cutting our own team's cards yeah it's really awkward because if you go into the draft hard set on each player playing one of each one of each class what happens if you're like i am the ninja drafter and i open shakedown am i passing it am i hate drafting and then you pass it to the yeah (laughs) so to the yeah it's really, really awkward. And, um, is that even that big of a deal though? Like if you like, maybe the, the lower floor or the lower ceiling of bombs in flesh and blood, like if you open a shakedown and you pass it and like, what happens if your opponent has the, or your opponent's team has the same decision and they're not the assassin, they're not, they're not the designated assassin player. Well, are they then double passing shakedown? Well, I was specifically talking Oh, oh! If if one team does it and one team doesn't, because that's like the only way you can really compare the. No, well, if both teams, if both teams are like okay, uh, beforehand, it's just everybody, everybody on that team has agreed to specifically draft one hero. Because mm-hmm. like I, I think about this in terms of like uh, Fung, Brody, and Dave. Because uh, I think we've been talking because they're attending the tournament, and I think they talked about a similar strategy on the Discord where basically each one of us on both three teams is beforehand has assigned a hero that we're drafting. And so like, let's say I'm, I have uh, Dave to my left and I decide, and I was the assigned Ranger player and Dave's the assigned Ninja player. I open shakedown. I pass shakedown to Dave, but he's the assigned uh, Ranger player. He can't take shakedown because he's the assigned Ranger player. He then has to pass the shakedown and maybe it hits you. Who's the assigned assassin player, you know, like, it can, it can almost feel like if we both agreed to that strategy beforehand, we're almost just like splitting the packs evenly, cleanly, and there's not even much to be done in the drafting process. Yeah, I again, I, I don't think there's a lot of benefit to talking about what happens if both teams do this because if both teams do it, then like I, I guess what I'm most interested in is who's like advantage if one team decides to do the strategy and the other team just like adjusts because yeah, we're doing we're doing game theory grids now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So prisoner's in this, dilemma. In this game theory grid, if you are the designated Katsu or Azalea drafter, Ranger or Ninja drafter, it could be Benji, it could be Riptide as well. And you open Shakedown and you pass it to me. And I'm doing a more typical draft style where I'm staying open. I'm like, oh, okay, I will take the Shakedown and look into playing Azuri. And then maybe the person that I'm passing to, they're either the designated Assassin player or the designated whatever one you aren't. So like a lot of the time, if I end up Uzuri and the person next to me is a designated assassin player, I'm just cutting them from a card. I'm basically just in the class that's cutting them and they're going to have a much weaker deck than I will because I'm directly Hmm. picking before them. Yeah, but like if you don't do that and 
so let's say the person to your uh, you don't have assigned teams. Your opponents do have assigned teams. They mm-hmm. open the shakedown. They pass the shakedown, and uh, you're staying open. And you're uh, you t- you go into assassin, and mm-hmm. then but then I get past good assassin my cards for two packs because n- nobody else is, is assassin for two to three picks before me. Mm-hmm. I go into assassin, and then all of a sudden you, me, and the third and and uh one of the their three uh teammates is going to be on assassin assassin's going to be overdrafted right mm-hmm. which means one of the classes that they pick to have three people or ha- since they split one of each that means they're go- guaranteed to get the one of one of one of the classes if we have two of the same class which is kind of interesting but <laughs> I don't know. I wish I could say I had enough experience in team draft to give the answers out. My experience so far is I have done one team draft in a hotel room on a bed and it was Tales of Aria and two of my three, two of the three people on my team drafted Lexi and it did not go great for us. I would believe that. You should have had assigned heroes beforehand, baby. I would have fixed everything. Maybe, maybe. Okay. Um, Can we talk about the PTI tournament on Sunday now? Or do you have anything else to say about the Saturday tournament? I, I guess the last thing I want to say about the Saturday tournament is we, we are big believers in team sealed. That's why we're flying to Baltimore to go play in this little battle. Hard. And that's, I've never flown to a battle hardened before. I don't think you've flown to a battle hardened before either. And I don't think I will again either. <laughs> yeah. Probably won't again either, but because we, we really want to support team sealed. I think the format's very good. And I encourage anyone that's like currently on the fence about going, maybe it's really close to you to try to get some teammates. Just, It'll be a lot of fun. Team Sealed's a, it's just a really good experience. And yeah, I, I think if you're on the fence, you should, I think you should go. That's all. Yeah, agreed. Wrangle up two other good or flesh and blood players that are around you and go and have a grand old time. We hope yeah. to see you there. Okay. PTI event on Sunday. Class constructed. Yep. No living legend le- points will be assigned, so we can't <laughs> living legend Briar. If we could living legend Briar, I would 100% be sleeping up Briar to try to get her over that threshold. But no living legend points can be assigned. But since no living legend points can be assigned, it's the perfect time. Icelander camp. Yeah, <laughs> Icelander. No living legend points. We get to keep her clean. <laughs> now, uh, honestly, I haven't played. I think I've played two games of Class Constructed since worlds maybe a little bit more actually or not worlds the pro tour maybe a little bit more i feel like i've played a few games in my coaching sessions so i've not played very many class constructed games since the pro tour um i love icelander she's that i'm most comfortable with without having a lot of recent experience with her and i think she's in a pretty good spot if everyone thinks old time's the best deck like icelander kind of still beats up old time pretty badly so yeah, I'm playing Icelander. Yeah, I'm going to play Icelander too. I think our lists are like four cards different at this point. Mm-hmm. You you like this round's on me. I'm not a believer in the card. And that's about it. I don't like this round's on me. I just like that it blocks for three. <laughs> yeah, and you've never liked Blue Winner's Bite, and I've always liked Blue Winner's Bite quite a bit. So Yeah. So... There we go. That's the big. That's the big Icelander schism we have going on on the on the Manor cast at the moment is whether or not you play blue winners by it or blue this rounds on me, which is the only color of this rounds on me, I guess. But what would red this rounds on me be? Your attacks do minus three. 
<laughs> That'd be a pretty good card. <laughs> Powerful. I play that one. <laughs> <laughs> have your extra card. None of your cards do anything. <laughs> that card would be sick too. Uh, if you like played it and then just like passed, like you didn't yeah, even like yeah. do anything. You didn't. Or your opponent to like use their cards. Your opponent on AB one. You're like, here's my. This round's on me. I'm gonna send an ice bolt at you or something. <laughs> You can maybe one of it with your extra cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad that card doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. LSS is pretty good at designing cards, it turns out. Sometimes. Most of the time. Ever since Tales of Aria. Wait, what? what do you think is like since Tales of Aria? Ever since Tales Because they banned a bunch of cards out of Tales of Aria. Tar- oh, Tales of Aria has the most cards sure. banned out of it. Uh, since Tales of Aria, what do you think like the most egregious... Uh, oh, it's Codex. Never mind. I was like, what's the most powerful card they printed since... Since and I was like, oh, yeah, the Codex. Codex of Realty. Yeah. Bravo Star Bravo of the Bravo. Show is uh, also kind of a messed up piece of card board. Yeah. If Hypothermia. But only Hypothermia at instant speed with Icelander was like kind of a problem. Yeah, Hy- Hypothermia is only problematic because of Icelander. I think it's a good card outside of that. Mm-hmm. Very reasonable card where like it affects... It has a strong effect for one turn, but... It's never like blowing out your turn. You can kind of sequence your turn as best around it as you can. And it'll be good against some heroes, but you're still spending a whole card in an action point to like maybe trade for a card or two that they can't use. So yeah, Absolutely. I think I think hypothermia is a very reasonable card and Icelander just makes it unfair. Are we just gonna scoop to Lexi though? Because that matchup's not great, right? No. So do you want to talk about our sideboard plan in Alexi? <laughs> sure. I mean, it's a PTI tournament. If people want to metagame sure, and try sure. to beat us up, you'll go for it. So basically the reason we're even talking about these bad blue cards is we wanted to get into a state where we could sideboard out all the attacks against Lexi because getting like Codex of Frailty is already a very good card, but it's especially bad when you have to discard a card and you can't block their on hits anymore because of Codex of Frailty. So we're trying to build the decks in a way that you can sideboard out all the attacks in the Lexi. And so we had to cut Blue Brother in arms. And I don't think that makes the matchup great, but I think it makes it a little bit better when you have more room to not get blown out by Codex of Frailty. It'll still be great for them. Still a really strong card, but at least you won't discard a card and eat an extra on hit. Yeah. And it's not even just blue brothers in arms that it could be problematic to put in your arsenal like and line strike can be awkward to put in uh the three cost like putting Quiet in the wounded bull yeah like there's just there's no good options like scar for a scar is just the best but then you're attacking with a scar for a scar for three if you attack with it and if not then you're keeping a scar for a scar in your arsenal for an extra turn cycle which also mm-hmm. isn't great so just when you're playing the attack version of icelander it just like codex of realty just turned into like a really problematic card and that's why we're just saying nope we're not dealing with that anymore we want to be able to play our disruption cleanly when we want to to clear and just when we want to play our arsenals without having to worry about then having to then also discard a card to codex yeah and i think the biggest blowout is you put this attack in your arsenal you discard a card and then if you block or you like you, you basically go without an arsenal on the next turn, or you don't get an arsenal ice card on the next turn. So, like, hopefully, without having to discard a card for these attacks, yeah, you just can always have the threat and ice disruption, mm-hmm. which is real important. Yeah, I think the other problematic thing is still that you know Voltaire is an instant speed activation, and they can kind of respond to a lot of your disruption. Anyways, that way, but 
can't fix everything. Yeah, I, I still don't think it's going to be a great matchup. I think it gives us a little bit more of a fighting chance, but we are losing out on quite a lot of value by cutting the attacks on some turns. And like I said, I've played very little class constructed, so I don't even know if this is a functional game plan. But yeah, we're going to try it. We're going to figure it out in real time and hopefully <laughs> earn a PTI. Yeah, we can report back next week. Mm. Okay. Any any final thoughts overall on the Baltimore weekend? Uh I think I've said everything I want to say. Um, I'm excited for coverage. I'm excited to play Team Sealed. And yeah, hopefully see you there. Yeah. Well, with that being said, the next time you're battling Team Manorcast in Baltimore, always remember, mind your manners. <laughs>